Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of the FTCA podcast. This is new and experimental, so wish us luck. This is our first recording of a Bridge Project interview with Dr. Kelly Golob. What the Bridge Project is, it's an idea that we've had in the FTCA where we take clinic owners, doctors of chiropractic, and we connect them in a more significant way to graduating students, young doctors of chiropractic, candidate doctors looking for associate positions, independent contractor positions, space to rent, um, any of those sort of professional opportunities. Right now, if you go to the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance website, under the resources, there is a professional opportunities tab, where if you are a doctor who has got one of these opportunities available, you can advertise it to the, uh, I guess you could say all the candidates who are looking for these types of opportunities. Uh, the listing is $50. And when you, when you do that listing, you also qualify. You can do one of these interviews that we're about to do as well. So it's much more than just running a classified ad. There's a lot more to it where we are going to have interview processes. We're going to show what kind of mentorship abilities you have as a leader in your practice uh, and put those on display for people to inspire them to come and work with you, for you, however you want to put it. In addition, um, the students get a lot of resources in this bridge project. So the students, if you students who are involved in the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance, uh, it's twenty dollars for their whole whatever, however long they're a student. It's twenty dollars. They get into this bridge program. They get a, a content hub of all this information from mentors who offer them advice and guidance in, in the careers that are coming up for them and they can participate in this bridge program because we want to connect good students to good doctors. That's always been the, not the, but definitely one of the higher ranking problems in our profession that we hear over and over again within the forward thinking chiropractic alliance, like the, the older docs, all they do is eat their young. Um, they chew them up and spit them out and manipulate them and all these other sort of nefarious uh, claims. My goal is to show the good docs to the students and show the good students to the docs because quite frankly, if you're a student listening or a young graduate, a lot of you all aren't all that up to snuff as employees or associates or partners or any of those sort of things as you might think you are as well. So the, the owners sometimes have complaints about the product that the schools are producing, but the students always have complaints about the product, the, the work environment they have to go into. I'm here as the peace broker to say there are good docs out there and there are great candidate students and young grads and, say, and then start to connect the two. Um, one more caveat to this video before we get started. If you are just listening to the audio only because you're on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify, you can go to our website, forwardthinkingchiro.com, where the podcasts are listed, and we'll put a video link up too so you can watch the video because we might even show some pictures and things like that of, uh, of what we're talking about. So as we get started, Dr. Kelly Golob, tell us about you first. Uh, my name is Kelly Golob. I am the owner of Tumwater Chiropractic Center. Uh, I've been in practice. This is my 12th year in practice. 
And I grew up in Olympia, Washington. Uh, I went to Northern Arizona University uh, as, for undergrad where I played basketball. Uh, then I had a chance to play professionally in Europe for a year and then decided I better go back to school because I always knew I was going to be a chiropractor and um, went to Southern California University of Health Sciences uh, down in LA. And then, um, yeah, I have a wife and two kids, uh, fifth and seventh grade. And um, I don't know, that's a little bit about that's me, it. I guess. <laughs> I, I, I'm also uh, the delegate for the state of Washington for the American Chiropractic Association. I was the alternate delegate for many years and was very involved in SACA as a student. Um, and it's been a really rewarding um, thing to be involved in for me personally and professionally um, during my chiropractic career. Um, so I have a lot of interest in, um, you know, helping our patients, but also trying to improve the healthcare system in our country, which there's lots of room for improvement. And I think we're uniquely positioned to do that. Um, I'm interested in this bridge project, the way you describe it, Bobby. Uh, I'm happy to be the first experimental uh, person are, here, yeah. but it's interesting what you're describing because I've always felt like, and and maybe we'll get into this later, um, that that was just such a big weakness of the profession is that gap between you, you graduate as a student and then getting your feet under you and having a professional career. And it's just kind of, you know, um, other healthcare professions are structured differently for, for a lot of reasons. We don't need to go to, don't need to go into all that, but sure. my, my hope and one of my reasons for wanting to build a larger clinic system is to provide more good opportunities for great graduates coming out of school and make that gap hopefully non-existent as, as much as possible. And so, um, you know, doing something like you're doing with this bridge project sounds like a really good step in that direction. So, um, yeah, excited to see how it turns out. And we have we have an interesting challenge here that uh, you know, that that some practices don't have to face. In that, in Washington, there's no local chiropractic school in the state at the moment. Mm -hmm. So you need to convince somebody to come to Olympia, Washington, to live their life. Um, so tell me a little bit about life in Olympia. Yeah. I mean, so, I'm down in Portland. This is like, yeah, we're practically cousins at this point. We both yeah. love basketball. We're both del our state delegates for the ACA. I know. Congratulations like, to uh, you on that. We're like, uh, you know, do you want to do karate in the garage? Like we're stepbrothers now. Well, so Olympia is, uh, you know, it's kind of halfway in between Seattle and Portland, basically. So we're about an hour south of Seattle, an hour half north of Portland. Um, I kind of describe it as a medium-sized city, not kind of the Goldilocks zone for a lot of people, not too big, not too small. Um, in Olympia, we've got three cities right next to each other, Olympia, Lacey, and Tumwater. In our clinic, we actually have two locations, one in Tumwater, one in Olympia. They're about 10-minute drive apart. Um, and the, the county has about 250,000. I could look up the stats, but it's definitely a growing area. A lot of people have been moving um, down to this county, Thurston County from Seattle over the last decade because the cost of living is a lot more reasonable. Seattle is one of the more expensive cities to live in um, in the country. And so people kind of start to fan out a little bit, but Olympia is the state capital. 
Um, so the major employer in the area is state government. So there's a lot of good state government jobs. Uh, there are a few universities, um, Evergreen State College, St. Martin's University, um, uh, South Puget Sound Community College. There's, so there's a lot. There's a lot to do. It's got Olympia's got a cool downtown right on the water, with the southern tip of Puget Sound. Um, you know, there's great hiking around. We're about an hour away from the Olympic Mountains. You know, an hour away from Mount Rainier a little over an hour away from the coast so you can get to the beach or the mountains within an hour so it's really great there's a lot of great outdoors stuff to do um, so i love living in olympia it's a great place to raise a family um, i think um, i moved here and i was already married so it wasn't a thing i know some people um, maybe if you know some people think it might be small if you're looking for a spouse or something like that but i don't know i don't i don't not in that world or whatever but there was maybe a drawback for some people that might be it but yeah i have olympia experience i think it's an interesting place in that it does have a it has a space for anybody mm -hmm. um you don't have to you don't have to you know you don't have to be a certain type like if you were going to move to Vail, i think you would probably need to be into skiing yeah you know? If you are going to move to my hometown in Pismo Beach, California, you probably going to need to be into surfing or beach activities. There's not much, you know, deep sea fishing. There's not much else beyond yeah. that. There, there are certain communities where the activity base is pretty limited, but the Pacific Northwest is wide open. Whatever you want to do is possible. And, and Olympia, I think, is sort of unique because um, we have the state government, so you have a lot of government employees. Uh, we have Evergreen State College, which is a liberal arts school. People come from all over the country, and it's more of an alternative vibe. They call them greeners. Their mascots, right. their mascots, <laughs> a gooey duck. Uh, <laughs> and um, so they, you know, and then also too, we're really close to Joint Base Lewis McCord, and so there's a large military population. Um, there's a VA hospital about half an hour from us. And um, I think there's some crazy stat, like four out of 10 people in the county moved, might have be higher than that, moved here or live here some, somewhat because of the base somehow. So sure. a, lot of, a lot of people get stationed at JBLM during their time of service. And then when they get out, this is where they choose to come back and settle down because they've lived a lot of maybe not great places, that you know where some bases are and this right. base they're like well this is this is where i want to settle down when i'm out so so there you get the large military population too which is great so yeah i agree with you it's very a, a very broad range of kind of vibes i guess and there is something very close a little road trip up to what say like port townsend or a little bit north of the olympic national park you can catch a ferry and you can find yourself in canada for yeah. little getaways right victoria island yep yeah victoria vancouver bc you know you don't need to take a ferry to you can just drive um about three hour drive i'd say but yeah victoria is really cool if you have never been there it's like feels like a little bit of europe to me and so whenever we go it's like Two hour drive to Port Angeles, half an hour ferry over the Strait of Juan de Fuca, which is super pretty. Yeah. And um, then you're in Victoria and it's like this whole different world, um, <laughs> which is it, which so it's cool. It's a cool place to to go to. So okay, so now we've established step one. Olympia's Olympia is awesome. Olympia is awesome. It is a place that you can live 
Uh, you can raise family if you're into the family. You, if you're single, you can be single. There's mm -hmm. single stuff to do. You could be young there. You could be old there. You could be free there. We've established that. What is, so let's go into the practice then. How long have you had, how long has Tumwater practice been in business? Uh, I should know that. Uh, I, I, so I started practicing here right out of school. So like I said, this is my 12th year in practice. I think the practice itself was started um, five years earlier than that um, by a doctor who had been in town. I mean, I think he was in practice for 40 years when he retired two years ago. Um, so I started as an associate and then became a partner and then took over the practice when he retired. Um, does that, does that, uh, I guess you could call it flow or does that pathway from associate to partnership still exist? Well, and like, was that codified or did it just happen because you're an amazing doc and it's just sort of, it had yeah. not happened. It had not happened before. Okay. Um, and again, sort of a discussion probably longer than we have. The way it worked was okay. Um, but I felt like there could have been, it could have been handled better. Um, um, the so, main point yeah. here is a lot of docs, when they own a practice and they want to bring someone on as associate, they, they have no vision for it whatsoever. They've never, not, not that they've not even done it before. They've never even seen it before. They have to yeah. invent it whole cloth, but there well, is I, something that exists here, at least some experience yeah, base. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, you kind of hit on the point why there's lots of bad, bad experience out there. Cause I don't think people are necessarily, most cases, I'm not going to say all, most cases, I think people just don't know a good way to do it or to handle it. Um, right. And so yeah, so right now we have five chiropractors. Um, we have massage therapy, we have acupuncture, we have a uh, physical therapist who rent space uh, in one of our offices. And then we have uh, two weight loss coaches that do two different weight loss programs for people um, that are have been really helpful for clients too. So we, the thing we like to say is we kind of try to be a one-stop shop for a lot of conservative healthcare options for patients. Um, and when patients or other chiropractors or whoever asked me, well, what type of, what type of chiropractors are you guys? Or what's, what's your clinic like? What do you guys, how do you guys practice? And I say, well, everyone we try to bring on and everything we do, we want it to be patient-centered and evidence-based. And that can look like different people for different things. All the chiropractors, we may have different techniques or we like to work on different, I like to do a lot of sports medicine. One of the docs in our office likes to do a lot of pediatrics and she's a doula. Um, you know, so I think having different interests and skill sets is a strength of the practice. Um, but the important thing is that all of us put the, our patients first and we try as best we can to keep up and use the best evidence to date to make sure we're providing best care possible. Um, so, um, yeah, I don't think that was a question. I think I just went there, but uh, yeah, sell it, man. Okay. S sell the yeah. sizzle, not the steak. <laughs> yeah. How many locations do you have? So we have two locations. Um, we opened our second location uh, a year ago, February, actually. And one of the reasons why we're looking for another doctor is um, we had hired an associate a year ago um, or a little over a year ago. And he was, he was a great fit. We really loved him. And we had the second space. Long story short, we had the second space that we weren't utilizing to the max. We were doing some of our weight loss stuff there and storage and 
It's right across the street from the main hospital in Thurston County, St. Peter's Providence Swedish St. Peter's Hospital. It's the hub for Southwest Washington Healthcare. We're literally right across the street. Like, I've all, I'd always wanted to um, envision that being a great clinic location. Uh, and so we opened, we turned um, half of it into a clinic, a really nice little clinic. And the associate who was with us, um, he I'm, his name is Joseph Sweat. He's a great guy. People can hit him up. He moved to Canada. Canada um, at, in September. So he was, he, so we, we moved him there to start the, that location. And then in September, him and his uh, fiance, who also we had hired as an associate who worked with us for six months and was great. We loved her. Um, they wanted to move to Canada to be closer to her family. So, uh, so that left us with this second location and not enough staff to really run it. So right now what we're doing is four of the chiropractors we have, four of the our five, we're each taking a half day a week there um, to sort of keep that location going until we find um, a full-time person. And whoever we hire first, it really depends on the person and their experience. If we would, if they would go to that location primarily or if they would rotate um, and we would continue the rotation. So that, that, that all that stuff is sort of, you know, Here's a key thing I want pr prospective candidates, uh, students, and new grads, if they're listening to hear, hear. And it's, a, it's an important question to ask if you're going to come into a place where you're sort of like, quote unquote, replacing a, a, another doc. And that is, you might not overtly ask the question out loud because we all want tact and professionalism in interviews, but you might want to listen for why the other doc left on what terms. So this was a good terms situation. I mean, they there they needed, they wanted to be near their family in Canada. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. He Canada. didn't he didn't storm up and he didn't storm out in a huff because yeah, whatever the coffee wasn't yeah. good in the in the and, doctor's lounge or and, whatever. And I would just say to any prospective candidate out there, um, if someone's interested, Joseph and Rachel both would be happy to. You know, they're, they're not affiliated with our clinic anymore. They're neutral. They tell you probably, hopefully mostly good things. Maybe, maybe they have some, <laughs> some, you know, things they didn't like, but the coffee yeah. sucked in the lounge. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it was sad to lose them. You know, obviously we, you know, when we bring people on, you know, I really hope that it's a long-term thing and um, you know, and, and they were sad to go. It was a hard decision for them. So, but I always tell people, I always want, you know, as an employer, you know, Pete Carroll is a, a coach that I really admire for the Seahawks up here. And he, he said something, I'm going to butcher this quote, so I won't even try, but basically he has a lot of success and a lot of his assistants go on to do other things, take head coaching jobs. And, and he said something like, you know, basically his job is to help people become the best version of themselves they can, whether it's players or coaches. And so when people get those opportunities, he's happy for them and he feels like that's a success for him. And I, you know, strive to sort of have that same outlook with um, members of our team. And my job and what I want to do is make this the place people can be to be that best version of themselves and reach their goals, whatever those are personally or professionally. Um, so, you know, it was sad that they had to, you know, made that decision to leave, but I totally understand. I told them when we met, it's like, you know, work is, is part of life, but it's not life, you know, and if that's, yeah you know, the thing that they wanted to do, you know, I, you know, tried to, you know, support them and we made it a good transition. And, um, but yeah, definitely left, uh, 
a big hole in our in our clinic. So, you know, as the clinic owner or the leader, I don't like using the term owner to be honest, but um, it's my job to help try to kind of keep the ship going moving forward. So, perfect. So we're going to revisit that in, but in, but before we revisit that concept, because I want to formulate the question in my mind, I want to assuage the egos of the young chiropractor. Most people don't know this or not, but all chiropractors have very large egos. But many of the young chiropractors have their egos very large for the wrong reasons or for no reason. I, how do I put that? Many young chiropractors haven't deserved the ego that they have set yet. They have to walk into it. But one of the things that a lot of young chiropractors do when looking for a place to practice is judging aesthetics. As in, I don't want to work there because it doesn't look good. It doesn't look, <clears throat> it doesn't give me enough sense of pride the way this office is designed. It doesn't make me feel important if I'm not practicing in a place that looks really cool or important or is in the mix, uh, lack of better words, uh, integrated, important. You know, the young docs want to be important. I got to tell you, I don't have many pictures of your clinics. Yeah. But the ones I do have, they look quite beautiful. Well, I would, people could go on our Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Dr. Still does a lot of that for us. And we have a lot of videos and pictures of um, the inside of both clinics, most mainly the Tumwater one. But um, yeah, and we've been doing a lot of updating and stuff. I do think um, that. I think it's sort of these subconscious cues that you give off to patients, whether it's the building, the decoration, the design inside. I think those are important. And I think they set the tone for patients, especially if it's their first time in your office, um, you know, or if they want to refer. Yeah. We try, we try to think about those things and make it a really inviting place. Um, like, not too clinical, but also not like a spa, you know, like we're not a spa, we're a, we're a healthcare setting, but we want it to be a place people feel really comfortable in. Um, and so, uh, yeah. Perfect. No, you nailed it. Uh, and that's right. Cause the, the kind of patient populations you see would have those expectations. Right. And they would also run out if it was all decked out in Corinthian leather and gold accents and, there was a major yeah. D at the door, it'd be too much. It yeah. has to kind of be right sized to the expectations of your population, which I would say for the most part, Olympia, Washington is sort of middle, mid, upper middle class, um, working class yeah. with government workers that, you know, they have expectations of professionalism and cleanliness and all those sort of things. Yep. Now let's go back to, because we want to wrap this up with the nuts and bolts, the details, what you are offering and what's on the table, what you're looking for, all those sort of like, just like any other classified ad. But first and foremost, you said that as a leader, one of your goals or pers pers uh, perspectives, one of the things you try to accomplish is making people the best version of themselves while under your leadership or while assigned to your leadership, just as Pete Carroll would do. So in what ways would somebody new to your practice be made better made to rise up enabled to rise up and perform yeah. to the best of their abilities enabled is probably a better word than made you can't make someone do anything 
but or make them be the best version. But um, so, um, gosh, where to start? Uh, treated like a professional. Um, you know, I don't micromanage uh, doctors as far as um, you know how they want to treat their patients. Uh, as long as they're again being patient-centered, evidence-based. Um, documentation is really important. Um, I do basically these monthly reports for the office uh, and I meet each month and go over one-on-one -on -one with each doctor and the things that we think are important are patient experience. So we give patient satisfaction surveys after two weeks, patients have been being seen. Um, our clinical quality. So we've created a, an audit system where I score new patient chart notes uh, based on things like kind of technical things like, do you have a subluxation documented for each region you adjust? Um, do you bill out the right level of adjustment for what your note says? So some of those technical questions, but also clinical quality. Were you given, was the patient given um, some self-care instruction within the first week of care was, you know, um, were, you know, if you did, you know, some technical things like that. So we have this clinical quality chart audit that we do. Um, and then we see what everyone's score is for the month, average score, and then, you know, kind of we have targets that we want to hit. Um, so uh, I also um, try to educate our providers on sort of the finances of the whole clinic. <clears throat> and so we review that in, in those meetings. Um, I'm very transparent and kind of go over, okay, here's, I, we kind of break it down by part of the clinic. It's, it's, again, sort of a long conversation, but um, it's something that we've been doing for a year and I've been really happy with as far as, and the doctors have been really happy getting to, you know, because my thing is if, if the clinic's doing better, I want everyone to benefit from that. And I want them to understand also too, you know, the responsibilities that the clinic has as far as, you know, what are fixed expenses? What are variable expenses? How is that changing? Um, you know, if one, departments doing really well how does that affect everyone else and so um so those things when usually when we have uh, a new provider join us we usually have them shadow each of our providers for at least you know half a day so they can see kind of how we all are how we talk to patients and stuff and and then when we have a newer provider i'll usually meet with them weekly um it dep just depends on the person's experience and their needs and um you know, we try to meet that. Uh, we've got a great billing staff and front desk staff that, you know, basically the nice thing I think about coming to an office like ours where we have the, a larger infrastructure is you just have to worry about being a great provider and learning how to be a doctor. And you don't have to worry about, you know, the billing or, you know, the groundskeeper or the janitor, or, you know, you don't have to worry about all this other stuff. You can come here and, um, be a part of a team that likes working together, which is really important. Um, and, you know, and really focus and it'll be on becoming a great clinician because that's the foundation of everything that we do. Great. In a nutshell, what's the offer? Uh, we're going to have in the F on the FTCA webpage under clinical opportunity or professional opportunities, they can see the whole listing mm -hmm. of the ad of what the prospective offer is. But what are we talking about here? Are they gonna come out of school and make $5 million a year? See four patients a day? 
what what's what are we gonna do here maybe if they're seeing tom cruise (laughs) um so yeah so we start we start our providers on a monthly stipend it includes health insurance and it includes um uh a retirement a simple ira retirement plan will match up to three percent if you want to enroll in that um we pay for malpractice we pay for their license um we pay a little bit every year towards continuing education classes. Um, those are, we give free massage once a month. Obviously we take care of our employees ourselves for chiropractic as much as, you know, that's just what you do. Um, free acupuncture treatments as needed. Um, so those types of like soft benefits, I guess you'd call that. And then after a year, um, hopefully the provider has become busy enough that we can transition them to more of a percentage basis that's tiered and it ranges from 40 to 50% of collections based on how busy you are during the month. um, Plus all those same benefits that you get when you start um, the malpractice insurance, health insurance, malpractice insurance license, continuing education, those things, the retirement plan. Um, And then uh, when you transition to the percentage of collections, then we have uh, a profit sharing program and that ties in with the financial education piece that uh, I've been doing with our doctors where every month we look and see. And so every month they'll know like, hey, are you generating a profit for the company or not? And after every quarter, um, we we give out a bonus just based off of a percentage of what that provider benefited the clinic again that's that's just a a real quick summary so great yeah of course it'll be further detail and conversation and all that yeah what are you looking for in a candidate do they need any special certifications do they need well you gotta you know hopefully have your life i put out a a license i put out a facebook ad i'd never done that and got a reply right away no it was indeed it was indeed got a reply right away i'm like wow that was fast there's some (laughs) person who didn't even graduate from high school so yeah so you got to have a license or be in the process of being licensed in the state of washington um, i can help people with that process uh if if they need that um and i think the the characteristics that i most look for uh, is hard worker it you know i mean we can make it as easy as we can but you still have to work hard to be successful and and the, the harder you work the faster you'll get where you want to go um and that's a hard thing to teach i can teach we can teach and train a lot of things um, but you've got to be someone who understands you know kind of has that growth mindset enjoys the process of working and getting better at things um and then uh someone who's a team player and likes working in a group you know i think there's a lot of advantages to being in a group practice like ours and i I really think it's the future uh i think it's art profession needs to move towards this um right and again another long conversation i think probably um let me me try to summarize it this way yeah we we don't have the capabilities at this point to massively institutionalize our profession and our job opportunities to graduates so we need to mini institutionalize them in small medium-sized group practices yeah but solo solo practices are a disaster it you know it there's one, I think economies of scale are really underestimated. Um, you know, it's cheaper for our doctors to practice together like this because, you know, 
cheaper for our software. It's cheaper for our IT. It's cheaper for you know all this, all those things. Um, and then also too, and and this is a, you know, every. He wants all of us. To in, say all it. of us. With <laughs> all of us individually, we have no leverage in the healthcare system. Right. Um, we have, you know, the ACA is important, and they do great work. State associations are important and do great work when they can do great work. Let's put it that way. Um, right. But you know, ultimately, if you look at the healthcare system, you know, it's size matters. You know, and when yep. one person's trying to talk to an insurance company and say, hey, like you haven't raised our reimbursements in 15 years, they can just say, go take a hike, you know, right. and we don't have uh, a providence of chiropractic or a Kaiser of chiropractic that can negotiate and do these things. And I'm not going to, you know, I don't know what it takes to get there, but it has to start with learning to work together and becoming more efficient in the healthcare system. So nope, anyway. you said it right. Now there's one more issue we kind of have to cover here because this is the state of Washington, which is a little bit different in scope of practice than some people uh, who, who aren't in Washington or familiar with Washington would understand. So how does chiropractic practice in the state of Washington sort of manifest in your office? Because you're going to have, you're going to have evidence informed rehab minded, mm -hmm. Uh, chiropractors that want to work for you so tell them about this rehab yeah. how all yeah. this stuff how it transpires so adjustment soft tissue manual therapy exercises rehab you can do all that what we can't do in washington state is e-stem and ultrasound um well that's fine it, to me it is yeah <laughs> um and you know sports pre-participation physicals we can't do um DOT physicals we can't do. Um, so there are some, there are some things. Um, I think there's growing appetite in our state to start to push for some scope expansions. Um, I would, I would like to see that, but the, the current scope is fine for the way the majority of chiropractors practice. And for myself as a sports medicine practitioner, that's fine. If someone needs e-stem and doesn't have a TENS unit, I'll refer them to the physical therapist who can do that. You know, um, I cross refer and, you know, work collaboratively with a lot of people anyway. So you don't have to do everything. That's one thing that I've learned in my 12 years of practice. You want to be good at what you do and know who's good at things you don't do. Yeah. I wanted to clarify that because practically in Oregon, the differences uh, just across the Columbia river are mm -hmm. pretty massive, but when it comes to the differences in general, they're not really that different. Yeah, it's just that Oregon has a huge scope of practice, yeah. maybe too huge at some times, and then Washington has a slightly restricted scope of practice. So they look glaringly different in comparison, and then the rest of the country seems to fall somewhere in the middle. <laughs> yeah, it's weird how it turned out that way, but that's it is what it is. Those state lines. Um, so what do you think? This is the first time we've done a bridge project interview with a with a hiring doc, uh, a leader, a leading doc. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, I want your feedback all, I mean, off yeah, the I air as well, but what kind of things do you think the candidates need to know that we didn't you, cover? 
I think you hit on it. You know, asking about the area is, is helpful. You know, sometimes I just assume that everyone knows Olympia is an awesome place, you know, or you just think you're going to, you don't find want everybody that, to know that you don't or, want yeah, everyone to know. That. Yeah. Or you just think you're going to find someone who's from the area or already knows it or something, but yeah, there's lots of great people who need to know about what the, you know, what this part of the country is like. Um, I think you ask good questions. Um, you know, I tried not to ramble too much. Um, I think, you know, if people have more specific questions, they'd probably be more one-off or individualized that, you know, I'm happy to talk to people about Absolutely. during the interview process or, or anything. So, um, yeah, I think this was, you know, I don't, I, it would have been helpful for me as a student having someone ask questions like this before I chose where I was working. Right. And as we go on with this bridge project, we're going to find more relevant questions to ask. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know, and there are questions I'm just not asking because it's just rude to ask them. And that's more of a conversation that a prospective candidate should have the bravery to ask you personally in conversation or in an inter interview form. Um, and there are other issues within our profession and, and within employment in our profession that need to be addressed, but I don't feel like they need to be addressed here. You know, one of them is always like, uh, uh, you know, if somebody has a question about non-compete clauses, they should ask you. If someone has a question about a pathway to partnership, they should ask you personally. The, more of this, this process here or this interview is to show prospective candidates who you are and who the practice is so that it's a warm, a warm process to lead up to the next part of the conversation, which is much more important. Yeah, those are good questions to ask, you know, um, when, you know, their question, is it an employee or independent contractor position is probably some people should know before they start. Just Absolutely. Our, ours is employee, obviously, with all those benefits and everything. Um, um, I'm trying to think of, uh, what did you, uh, I forgot, you, you triggered something in my head, but it's slipped out, so. <laughs> it's probably non-compete clauses, they're always oh, big. Yeah, so those are kind of, those are different in different states. And That's right. We don't do non-compete clauses, um, but we do non-solicitation. So if someone leaves, they can't solicit patients of our office just to protect right. the clinic. But um, anyway, the, the, every that that's going to be different state to state for sure on the laws right. with that. So, well, some people don't know that, and they don't know the diff difference between non-compete and non-solicit, and yeah. they become owners once again because they became an owner of a practice without a proper pathway that they saw coming up. Yeah. And they they draw up this big old long non-compete clause. It's absolutely unenforceable whatsoever in the state they live in because they heard they had to have a non-compete mm -hmm. somewhere on the internet. And it's like, mm -hmm. no, you have to have a non-solicitation agreement. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and, then, and then somebody walks away with like, I don't know, five of their patients, starts their own practice, whatever it yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, yeah. So people should go to the FTCA website, go under resources, and then professional opportunities, and they'll see the listing. But let's give them a more direct route on how to contact you and get more information. Yeah, usually, I just tell people just email me um, with your resume. Um, my email is kelly, K-E-L-L-Y, golob, G-O-L-O-B, at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, I'll put it in the ad. That's usually the best, you know. Um, and then usually I'll have a phone call with someone and 
answer specific questions they have. And if they're interested, we'll do a sit down interview. And, um, you know, we're looking to hire someone as soon as we find a good candidate. You know, I've interviewed a few people over the past couple months and they just didn't really seem like the right fit. And I'm, I'd rather wait and find someone who really fits in with what we're trying to do um, and the team that we have um, and, you know, wants to help us get to where we're all trying to go. So, um, but once we find that person, um, it doesn't take long to get them going and get them up and running. So you get the direct impression that the higher marks are going to go for professionalism, uh, work ethic, and ability to communicate efficiently with teammates and patients. 100%. Good. Yep.